0: Well, it's been kind of a sad week uh, at my house uh, over the last several days, as some of you probably already know from just uh, uh, me whining and telling the stories. uh, This past week, our little dog that we've had for about 11 or 12 years, our little dog went completely blind just in a short period of time now a few months ago she was diagnosed with diabetes i didn't know anything i didn't know dogs could get diabetes but here i've been having to give our little dog insulin shots twice a day and all that kind of stuff but one of the things that apparently comes with uh with uh, canine diabetes is cataracts well unlike Human cataracts that you know develop over a period of time you know how (laughs) any of you that have had cataracts removed you know how you have to wait until they ripen and all that kind of stuff and that can take a period of time well in little dogs or at least in our little dog it can happen just within a matter of days so within just a matter of days she went from you know being just just fine to eyes white can't see bumping into walls all that kind of stuff So in a nutshell, uh, a week ago, our little dog could see just fine, and today she can't see anything. She can barely even recognize the difference between light and dark. Now, for her, it's been really, I mean, you can just imagine, it's been a difficult time trying to figure everything out. Of course, it's helped us to keep stuff uh, picked up off the floor, <laughs> but it's been a difficult time for her to try to figure everything out. She She's a timid dog anyway, so she's that has added to her timidity, and she's just been really scared, and, and then after a period of being really scared and not wanting to do anything, then it was almost like, now, I don't know uh, you, if you can psychoanalyze dogs or not, but it was almost like she was depressed. You could just see that she just didn't want to do anything. She was depressed. But now, finally, you know, after a few days, she's starting to figure things out and, and she'll, you know, get excited and, and bark at things and do that kind of stuff again. She still walks into walls and into furniture and, and you gotta kind of move from pity to, uh, funny. (laughs) Just, you know, she'll, she'll get excited and think she's got it figured out and then all of a sudden she'll run into a bookshelf or, or something like that. But, but she's, she's starting to, she's starting to figure things out a little bit. If a door is closed, it was supposed to be open. That just throws her for a loop. But to her credit, when she runs into something, she doesn't just flop down and stop. When she runs into something, she, buddy, she's just going to change directions and, and keep going until she runs into something else. And then she'll change directions and she'll just keep going until she gets it figured out. You know, as I was watching her and as I was thinking about this passage this week, it just made me think about what happens many times in our own lives. You know, sometimes finding God's direction in our lives can feel like we're kind of wandering around in, in the dark, doesn't it? You know, if you're trying to figure out what path, God, what, what which direction you want me to take, where where do you want me to go, what do you want me to do, sometimes it can feel like and we're just, wandering around in the dark it's pretty easy to know God's general will for our lives I hear people all the time talk about and I really want to find God's will for my life well the place to start is the easy part or the, at least the easy part to know it's easy to know what God's general will for our lives is just read the Bible he lays it out pretty clearly in his Bible the first thing is worship only him right that's pretty plain it's a command that's laid out in Scripture. Trust Jesus as Lord and Master and Savior. Yes, that's general, God's general will for all of us, to trust Jesus. Read His Word. Gather regularly with His people. Model Christ in your lifestyle. Be equipped for the work of the ministry. Love your neighbor as yourself and be a witness in everything that you do. Right? That's God's general will for all of us. It's pretty easy to find in His Word. It's more difficult to apply it's more difficult to do. But anytime, the first place that we need to look when we're saying, I, I need to find out God's will for my life, let's start with the revealed part. Let's start with the general part that's very clear. But even when we're doing our best to to follow that, even when we're doing our best to to follow what God says in his word, even in the I mean, of course it takes the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do that, but when in the power of the Holy Spirit, when we're doing Our best to do the things that God has revealed to us in His Word, to do the general things that He's called us to do, how are we supposed to know what the specific directions that He calls each of us to? How are we supposed to know that? How how are you supposed to know what job to take when you've got a choice of of a couple of different jobs. How are you supposed to know the person to date or the person to marry? How are you supposed to know if or when you're supposed to retire? How are you supposed to know where to live or where to work or where to play or where to go to school or a thousand million different other questions? All of those life's choices that we have in front of us, how are we supposed to know whether to zig or whether to zag? How are we supposed to know that? Well, I think I think when we're faced with two or more good options in front of us. I think sometimes that's the hardest. Those are the hardest choices to make, aren't they? It's the hardest thing to know which way God wants us to go. Which one do you pick? Well, let me just give you a little advice before we get started in the passage. I I think that when you're faced with two or more good options, the first thing that you need to ask yourself is, well, are they really both good options? First thing you need to ask yourself is use the revealed will of God that he's shown you in his word to figure out whether those opportunities that are in front of you are truly, both of them are truly Christ exalting. If one of the choices is sinful, then guess what? It isn't a choice, is it? That's not one of the choices in front of us. Should you date an unbeliever? Well, it's not really a choice, because the Bible tells you clearly that you shouldn't. Should you fudge the numbers at work to make your boss happy, or should you take the heat and report the right stuff? Well, it's not really a choice, because Scripture tells us to be honest in the things that we do. Should you pay your bills? Should you pay your tithe? Well, there's no debate about it, because God's Word is clear on those things. If you're able to work and make a living on your own, should you, should you get a job or should you just sit around waiting for the, for the ideal job to jump in front of you? Well, scripture says those who don't work don't eat. So that choice is clear, right? So if one of the choices is sinful, just mark it off the list. It's not a choice at all, is it? And if one of the choices is unwise, then you can mark that one off the list too. See, God's given us this stuff in our head. He's given us wisdom. The whole center section of the Bible is called, is called the wisdom book. So He's given us wisdom to help make the choices. So you run it through the wisdom filter. Is it wise to drop out of school without a way to pay, yourself, to pay for your support? That's not wise. Is it wise to buy a house or a car or a boat that you can't afford, even if you really, really, really like it? No, it's not. Is it wise to sacrifice church or family or academics for extracurricular activities? Is it wise to bounce from job to job or relationship to relationship or church to church or bright idea to bright idea without having a clear path, a clear idea, a clear direction of where you want to go with your life? So when we're faced with a directional choice in life, when we're faced with what we think are two good choices, we've got to run it through those two filters. If it's sinful, it's not a choice. If it's unwise, it's not one of our choices. Now that should be the easy part, right? Oh, if all of our choices were only between sinful and saintly things. We, we could make those choices pretty easy. Or if all of our choices were between wise and unwise things, we could make those pretty easily, couldn't we? But our choices don't run, don't all run into that grid. Don't all run through that grid, do they? Sometimes we are faced with having to make a decision between two really good equally wise equally saintly thing and i think those are the hardest decisions those are the hardest decisions i've ever had to make in my life and i believe if we're honest about it those are the hardest decisions that each of us have to make so what direction do we take then well here's my advice you ready this is profound stuff pick one and start walking just pick one when you're choosing between two equally wise equally saintly things just pick one and start walking in that direction and if god doesn't want you to do it guess what he's sovereign right so he's going to shut the door if god doesn't want you going that direction he's going to shut the door that's what paul and and the crew that he was with that's what they were doing in this passage this morning You think about where Paul and Timothy and Silas, where all of these folks were in their, this so-called second missionary journey. As they were moving along, they had a whole world of lost people in front of them. They had a whole mission field in front of them. Churches needed to be planted everywhere. They had people all around them that desperately needed to hear the gospel. The mission task in front of them was absolutely overwhelming. And on top of that, the churches that they had already planted on the first missionary journey, they needed some assistance. They needed some help. They needed tending. They were fledgling congregations that could have really used somebody like Paul or Timothy or Silas to help them along. And I'm sure their home church back in Antioch, I'm sure it left a hole in their congregation when Paul went on his way to missions. I'm sure they could have used him back at home. They had a million ministry choices in front of them. All of them equally good. All of them equally wise. None of their choices, if they would have chosen any of those paths, none of those was inherently sinful. Most of them would have been wise. So how in the world were they supposed to know where to go? How in the world were they supposed to know which direction God wanted them to go? Look at verse six. Verse six says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Let's just stop there. Now nah, let's read the whole thing. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. You see the first three words of that verse? It says, and they went. If you want to know the specific direction that God wants you to go in your life, you have to be moving. You have to be moving. Pick a Christ exalting, wise direction. Start heading that way. It it made complete sense for Paul and his crew to head in the direction that they headed. They, they just what they had just done was they had just made their way back through the towns where they planted churches on their first missionary journey. And on the way, they had strengthened the churches there. Now it was time for them to continue their mission and start planting churches in new places. So, hey, look at the map. First place on the map that they looked at that would have been just amazingly strategic was to head south into Asia Minor. Now, you've got a map there in your bulletin. You can follow along the map if you want to. But the first place that would have made complete and total sense, it would have made complete and total strategic sense, was to head south into Asia Asia Minor. There were some amazing, influential, strategic cities down in Asia Minor. Think about that opportunity that they had waiting for them down in Asia Minor. But notice that part that we went on to read in verse 6. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't pass through there, weren't allowed to pass through there. They had to pass through there to be on their way. What it meant was as they were passing through there, they weren't allowed to spread the gospel. They weren't allowed to speak. They weren't allowed to plant churches there. Now, talk about a closed door. Paul preached the gospel everywhere he went. And then in this one place, God told him, you can pass through there, but don't speak the gospel. Don't preach. Don't plant churches. They made a Christ-exalting, wise choice, and God slammed the door on them. So they tucked tail and went home, right? They said, well, God shut the door. Let's go home to Antioch. No. (laughs) No. They kept on going. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Okay, so choice number two. Heading south didn't work, so let's head north up into Bithynia. Hey, Bithynia, if you know anything about, about the map, and about the map at that time, Bithynia had one of the most strategic cities in the area, especially that, that would turn into a, an especially strategic city a couple of hundred years later, it was a city called Nicaea. Oh, let's, let's head into Bithynia and we can, we can evangelize. We could plant a church in Nicaea and think about the impact that that would have throughout that whole region. What an amazing opportunity. What an amazing strategic opportunity that would be. But verse seven, you see how it ends. It says, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, just in case you think there's some sort of a difference between the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus, that's synonymous. It's just, it's just another way of saying the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit slammed the door on them. Two great choices, one to the south, one to the north, two closed doors. So now what? Keep moving. Keep moving. God closed the door to the south. He closed the door to the north. Now, I don't know about you, but my tendency after getting door shut and door shut might be just, well, let's just go sit down and wait. But they were on a mission, right? They were on God's mission. They were working to do what Jesus had told them to do in Acts 1-8. They were working to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when God calls us to be on mission, like he has called each of us to be on mission, he never, ever calls us to stand still or retreat. Amen? Amen? God calls us to keep moving. And rest assured, when we're moving, he'll let us know where to go. He'll let us know what to do. Not all at once, and very rarely, even as we get started. But we've got to keep moving. Paul and his crew, they kept moving. They kept heading west until they got to a town called Troas. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now, if you haven't taken out the map inside your bulletin yet, go ahead and take that out and, and, and look on that map and, and see where Troas is. If you see where Troas is, you can see that it's a port city. You know what that means? Uh, first thing some of y'all are thinking here in the summertime, you're thinking, oh, that must have meant they had a nice beach. <laughs> I don't know if they had a nice beach or not, but if you were heading west couldn't go to the north, couldn't go to the south, and you head west and you get to Troas, that means that you're at the end of the road. That means that you've gone as far as you can by foot. So they got a closed door to the south, they got a closed door to the north, and now they were facing a formidable natural barrier to the west. Now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke just gives us the bare details here in this passage. In verse 8, it's just as plain as it can be. They went to Troas. But can you imagine what was going through their minds? Just put on a little sanctified imagination. Try to picture what was going on in their minds. God, you, you told us to, to leave Antioch and, and head this way. We, we did. We, we obeyed what you said. We, we thought we had a great opportunity to plant churches in the south... You said no and closed the door. So we we looked to the north and we thought, oh, we, we've got a great opportunity to plant churches and, and and evangelize in the north. But no, God, you you shut the door on that. And so we kept on moving, and now we're at the end of the road. So, so God, you brought us to a dead end. How did you bring us all this way for nothing? Did did we? I don't know about you, when. Sometimes when I reach a closed door, sometimes I start going back through and I ask the Lord, Well did you did you bring us here for nothing? God did did I zig when I should have zagged? Did did I miss something along the way? Oh, you can just imagine that they were thinking the same thing, right? And then after they'd persistently obeyed in going, after they'd persistently obeyed in putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, even though they weren't sure where they were supposed to be going, after they trusted God every step along the way, after they'd gotten to what they thought was the end of the road, after, the, after all of that, God spoke. Look at verses 9 and 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You ever wonder why God isn't telling you the direction that you're supposed to be going? You ever wonder why why God doesn't tell you ten steps ahead what you're supposed to be doing? You ever wonder that? Listen to me. God is not going to give you clear direction if you're standing still. He's not going to give us as a church clear direction if we're standing still. He's not going to give us clear direction if we're satisfied to do ministry for ourselves inside these walls. We have always got to be moving. Individually, we always have to be moving. You know, that's why we as a church do these crazy things like soccer skills, Bible camp. That's a crazy idea, but God blessed it. Amen. That's why we've gone on mission trips to Tennessee and the Bronx. That's why we've got TNT and we've, we've partnered with Graham intermediate school to do the, to do the tutoring. And we've done the tutoring for the last, I don't know, three or three semesters or so. That's why some things are coming up on the calendar that you probably don't know yet. That's why on the 31st, we're partnering with uh, the Tazewell County Sheriff's Office. They're having a, uh, um, a national night out for police community relations. And they're, they're giving out school supplies and they're doing all kinds of stuff like that. And we're going to be there at Pocahontas Park on the 31st coming alongside. We're going to give out cotton candy. We're going to do what we can. With that. That's why we do those kinds of things. That's why I hope that some of us are going to volunteer. I just got the word this week about Bluefield College students. They're going to actually have three move-in days this year. And that's why I hope that some of us will volunteer to come and help some of those brand-new students move in to the dorms. Now, there's more to come on that. I'll let you know along the way. That's something you can mark down to look forward to. <laughs> that I'll let you know about That's why I'm meeting with Abbs Valley Baptist Church this week about the possibility of replanting that church. That's why I'm meeting with the new principal of Graham Intermediate School this week to see if there are ways that we can expand our adopt-a-school program with them beyond just tutoring into what I hope is on-campus mentoring of some troubled boys in that school. That's why we've been doing Go 1-8 and giving out all the the good neighbor bags to the new folks in in our community. We we do those things because we've got to keep moving. We have to continually be about the work that God has called us to do. Now, has God closed some doors along the way? He certainly has. He closed the door on a mission trip this year. He, he closed the door at least I thought he closed the door on the possibility of a local mission project this year I don't know there might be something there. I, I don't really know Now I thank God that he closed the door on a mission trip this year because looking at how crazy and how busy this summer's been I don't know if I'd have survived <laughs> I don't know if many of us would have survived that But God's sovereign over that isn't he? He opens doors and he closes doors as he will you think about our tutoring the first time that idea came up and we had some excitement and we had some things going and it looked like it was going to be headed right down the the track to get that started god closed the door and he closed it tight and i thought wow god you brought us this far why did you close the door We had a couple of options at that time. We could have pushed and kicked and screamed and pounded on the door and tried to push it through. We didn't. We just said, "Okay, God, that's a closed door. We'll set that off to the side. And the next thing I know, within just a few months, God opened the door again from the other side and opened it wide. Does God close the door on some of our what we think are great ministry ideas? Of course he does. But when God does, when he shuts the door, we better keep moving anyway. We better keep looking for the next opportunity. We better keep going until he shuts the door on that one. We better head to the south. And if he shuts the door to the south, we better head to the north. And if he shuts the door to the north, we better head until we run out of road. And then God will tell us where he wants us to go. And if we listen, and if we obey, and if when we get to the end of the road, when we think that there's nothing else there, if we just jump in, and we're going to have greater opportunities to bring new life to our neighbors and the nations than we ever thought possible. You know what was waiting for Paul and Timothy and Silas on the other end of that dead end at Troas? When they got in the water and they went on the other side, you know what was waiting for them on the other side? Philippi. Thessalonica. Corinth. Corinth. Later on, Ephesus and Colossae. And we know the names of those places because those are the places that we still receive blessing from because of the letters that Paul wrote to those churches after he planted them. We're still impacted by those. When and if we get to our Troas, will God give us a vision? Well, I think He already has. He's given us the vision to bring new life to both Bluefields. He's given us the vision to bring new life to Tazewell County and Mercer County. He's given us the vision to bring new life to Southwest Virginia and Southern West Virginia. He's given us the vision to bring new life to our neighbors and the nations. How he's going to do that? (laughs) I don't know. That's up to him. He doesn't have to tell us yet. And if he told us. I mean, just some of the stuff that I told y'all just a few minutes ago has probably scared you to death. If God told us everything that he has for us as individuals and as a church, if he told us all of that now, I know I'd probably be the first one to say, OK, Lord, I'll, I'll just get off here. Because it would us to death, wouldn't it? He's not going to tell us everything ahead of time. All we have to do is just Keep walking. Put one foot in front of the other, no matter how many closed doors we might encounter on the way. Let me give you a few quick takeaways to help you as an individual keep walking when you experience closed doors along the way. First, when God closes a door in your life, the first thing he expects you to do is keep seeking. Keep seeking. When when God closed the door for Paul in Asia... When he closed that first door, he didn't say immediately, he didn't say go to Macedonia, did he? When he closed that first door, he didn't tell him to go anywhere. Paul sought, out of his own initiative, he sought an opportunity in Bithynia. That wasn't where God wanted him either. But even though God closed the door at Bithynia, God still didn't tell him about Macedonia. So Paul, of his own initiative, had to seek where God wanted him. He had to seek the next opportunity, so he kept walking, kept heading to Troas. It was only when Paul didn't have anywhere to go that God showed him the opportunity that awaited him in Macedonia. In God's mercy and in His grace, He doesn't let us know everything. <laughs> that means that we've got to trust Him each step along the way. One of my favorite verses, it's a very familiar verse to, to I think, most of us. 119th Psalm, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's many of us that have memorized that. We've, we've claimed that for our own. But have you ever thought about what that means? God's word is a lamp to your feet. You think about that. If you're on a dark path, if you're in the middle of the night and God's word, if you have a lamp to your feet, it just shines up, your, shines up, shines over your feet and shines the path right around your feet. That's just to keep you from tripping over a hazard or stepping in a hole along the way. So his word is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. That light to your path. He doesn't say, "I'm going to, through my word, I'm going to light up the whole field so that you can see every twist and turn along the way." I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to be your Siri GPS that shows you all the 14 points, for 14 turns you have to make to get to your destination. No, I'm just going to shine a light on the direction you're supposed to go. And put a light to your path. Put a light, a lamp to your feet, and a light to your path. I'm going to keep you from stepping in a hole. I'm going to keep you from tripping over an obstacle. And I'm going to show you the direction that you need to head. And you've got to start walking. you got to start walking. God will close doors. He'll open doors as He sees fit. According to His grand plan, He'll open doors and He'll close doors. Our responsibility is to stay out of the holes that He points out to us. Our responsibility is to stay on the path that he marks for us seek him seek him along the way seek his ministry opportunities every step along the way so first he expects us to keep seeking secondly when god closes the door in your life he expects you to keep moving now throughout my time in the ministry i've i've heard people say things like you know we we just need to slow down and wait on the lord you ever heard anybody say that well that's true That's true. We need to wait on the Lord. That's what Isaiah 40 says. But I think sometimes when we say that, I think that we think it means something other than what it means. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Does it mean like you're waiting on a bus? Or you just sit there and I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to wait until the bus comes. Is that what it means? Of course not. Waiting on the Lord means that we're going to trust Him to direct and empower and strengthen us along the way as we're going, doing what He's called us to do. As we're walking down the path, we're going to trust Him. We're going to rest in Him. We're going to wait on Him. Isaiah 40, which is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Verses 30 and 31 says, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Many of us have that inscribed on pictures on our walls or in in, in things in our Bibles. We have that that highlighted that that they shall mount up on wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not be faint. Well, you got homework this afternoon. Are you ready? Your homework is to go back and read the rest of Isaiah chapter 40. And as you read the rest of Isaiah chapter 40, you're going to see that God gave that passage in a specific context of encouraging Isaiah to continue on doing what God called him to do. And if you read the rest of Isaiah, you go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and you see that from the very beginning when God called Isaiah, he said, Isaiah, you are to go and you're to preach to these people and they're not going to listen to you. Talk about a closed door. But God said, preach anyway. He said, continue on anyway. And he was giving Isaiah this as an encouragement to him, and he was giving it as an encouragement to preach to Israel, to prophesy to Israel that, yes, you're to wait on the Lord. You're to trust in the Lord as you're doing what I've called you to do. So get busy doing what I've called you to do. The point is, don't quit. Don't quit. When you bump into that wall, when you bump into that bookshelf, don't just fall down and say, I'm done. Don't quit. Don't sit around waiting on God to do His work without you or to you. Oh, so many of us want to sit back and we want to pray to God, God, do this to me. No, God wants to do His work through you. Don't wait on Him to do His work to you or in spite of you. Wait on Him to do His work through you. If he closes the door, then keep moving until he shows you an open one. Finally, when God closes the door in your life, he expects you to keep listening. Keep listening. You know, I think it's pretty interesting. The text doesn't, you know, we we come up with all kinds of imaginations about how the Spirit spoke to Paul in this vision. And how the Spirit closed the doors and how the spirit of Jesus closed the door we come up with all kinds of imagination about mm, how did that really happen well the text doesn't tell us how it really happened does it did, did the Holy Spirit speak to Paul audibly did he you know don't go there Paul did, did he speak to him audibly did, did he speak to him through an impression did, did he speak to him through Silas and Timothy? Did he speak to him through physical circumstances like closed borders or, or, or armed bandits or maybe laryngitis? Paul, you're forbidden to speak to these people. So he knows that because of laryngitis. I, I don't know. We don't know how the spirit did that. How the Holy spirit chose to speak to Paul. That's not really the point. The point is that however the Holy spirit was speaking to Paul, he was listening. Wasn't he? He was receptive. See, the fact is, God's Spirit can direct you through circumstances in your life. The Holy Spirit can direct you through other people in your life. The Holy Spirit can direct you through your feelings and through your impressions. God's Holy Spirit can direct you however He chooses. The point is, are you listening? Are you listening to Him? Now, let me give you just a word of warning here, okay? I said all those ways that the Holy Spirit can direct you and can, can lead you and can guide you. God's Spirit will never, ever direct you to do something that contradicts His Word or His character. And probably the most unreliable way to hear the Holy Spirit is through listening to your feelings and through your emotions. Right? I know my emotions can change depending on the flavor that Berkshire's has of the day. Right? If they got red red raspberry, I'm just, I'm depressed. But if they got peanut butter... I'm happy. So the most unreliable way is trusting in your emotions or trusting in your feelings. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world." Listen. Listen. Listen for the voice of the Spirit. Listen through the circumstances, listen through the counsel of other people, listen through the circumstances of your life. But when you think that you hear, confirm what you think you hear according to God's word and confirm what you think you hear From God's Spirit, confirm it in His Word and confirm it through the wise counsel of godly brothers and sisters in here. That's why He gives us this family of a church, so that we can confirm and we can help you walk through those kinds of things. So listen, but when you think you hear, confirm. You know, sometimes finding God's direction for your life can feel like that little dog of mine, just wandering around and bumping into walls and all of that. But God doesn't expect you to quit. God doesn't expect you to fall down where you are and just sit still. God has specially created you and saved you for a purpose. He's specially created ministry work for you to do. He has specifically placed you in the places that he has Placed you <laughs> he specifically put you in those places surrounded by those people because those are the people that he has given you as your mission field he specifically placed people into your path for you to reach he's designed ministry for you that he has uniquely gifted you to do but you're never going to find it unless you keep seeking You're never going to find it unless you keep moving. You're never going to find it unless you keep listening. So as I pray and as we sing, matter of fact, I'm just going to ask the praise team to sing and and we're going to sit and we're we're going to listen. And as I pray and as they play and you listen, I'm going to ask you not so much to be listening to the music. I'm not going to even ask you to listen so much to me praying what I'm going to ask you is to listen to the Spirit listen to the Spirit and and listen to how He convicts you of the gifts and the associations and the relationships that He has given you and listen to Him about the path of ministry that He wants you to take in those areas that He's given you listen and as you listen and he speaks, I'm going to ask you to respond. Now, if there's anybody in here who hasn't trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's the first step. The first step is to admit that you are a sinner. Admit that and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. By confessing that, you're removing yourself from the throne of your life and confessing that Jesus is now your Master. And when you confess that, you're going to live for him. So if you need to be saved today, then today is the day of your salvation. But for the rest of us who trusted Jesus as Lord and Master and Savior, today is the day to start walking in the direction that he's calling you to. Let's pray. Father, we've heard your word. Father, we've felt your Spirit. Father, I would ask that in these moments that we would just be obedient to your call. That each of us as individuals would be obedient to your call and that we as a church would be obedient to whatever direction you would have us to go. Lord, the objective is for Christ to be magnified. The objective is for Christ to be exalted. So Father, would You do that through us? We're not asking that You show us every step along the way. We're just trusting in You to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And Father, as You are, oh, may we be obedient to put one foot in front of the other. Starting today. In Jesus' name, amen.